This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. This is Positive Parenting, and I'm Armin Brott. In 1996, when Mae Vu left the corporate world at the age of 31, she wanted to find fulfillment. Up till that point, she was working and climbing the corporate ladder as an engineer, and that had helped satisfy most of her basic needs, safety and security, a monthly direct deposit, and a health care plan. It afforded her the opportunity to buy a house, to get married, give birth to a child. But she was not fully satisfied. Something was missing. And while she didn't know it then, she was being directed from within to reach for more satisfaction and more fulfillment. A week before she left her job, May received a fax from a girlfriend. It was a brochure on life coaching, and she'd scribbled next to it, I think this is for you. Sight unseen, without any research, she signed up for the first course, and from there, her life completely changed. She knew she was on the right path, and for the next decade, she dedicated her life to becoming the best coach in the world. And a lot of people would say that she's accomplished that goal. In this part of today's show, we're going to be talking with Mei Vu about her new book, which is aimed at divorced moms and getting them back into the dating life. But more important, it's about how these women can identify what's missing in their lives and, more importantly, go out and get it. We'll start talking about how you can learn to be loved, adored, and cherished when Positive Parenting continues right after this. More with Mr. Dad. Armin Brott, after this, from the MrTab.com radio network. Ever notice when you have a baby, everyone seems to give you advice? From your mother-in-law, don't you know you can't take that baby out in the rain today? And where is her hat? To your own parents. You should take the baby outside every day, even in the rain. To your friends. You have got to get this diaper cream. It is so much better than the one you've been using. When it comes to the important stuff, like immunizations and protecting my baby's health, I trust my baby's doctor. She really listens to my questions about shots, she gives me great information, and she works with me to make sure my baby gets protected. And that's something even my mother-in-law can agree with. Honey, I totally support you getting the baby vaccinated. But really, shouldn't you put the baby's hat back on? A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Now, get ready for more positive parenting with Armin Brott from the MrDad.com radio network. Hey there, welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott. My guest for this part of today's show is Mae Vu, who's the author of The Divorced Mom's Guide to Dating, How to Be Loved, Adored, and Cherished. Mae, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So a lot of people would say it's enough to be loved, but so you're adding adored and cherished, or you could just say pick one, Oh, and, and people would be happy. What uh, a so great place how, to start. How do you, how do you get to all of those places? You know, I was, I was like what you just said. When I was married, I was satisfied with just being loved. And then what I learned over 18 years of marriage is that being loved alone left us bored with each other, left us really stale. There's no passion left. And we both loved each other dearly, but somehow 
the spark is gone. But when you have the adore, the adored part and the cherished part, it makes it so much yummier and more <laughs> passionate and fun to okay. be with each other. So yeah, I think you need to define those things because I think all in addition to saying you know I'm just, I was just sort of kidding about pick one, but I yeah. think people would say, well, what's the difference exactly? Yeah. Um, well. I think you have to define your own difference, but for me, when I, what I notice is when I love my, say my current boyfriend, when I love him, that's a different sensation than when I adore him. Like when I look at him and I go, I adore you. That there's a different quality to that. There's a different softness and spark to it, and it it does it it creates a different tingle in him. And then I say, I cherish you. There's a reverence to that. So there's an, a a slight quality, you know, like how Eskimos have 300 words for for snow, right? Well, that's what I heard. Something anyway. like that, yeah. yeah. Supposedly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think I think we need to pull out love and really have more specific vocabulary to how we feel and what it brings into us, so that it adds more sparks and more more yumminess into our relationship. So that there's a, a difference between that and I'm hot for you kind of a thing or I want to have sex with you. Yeah. I mean, th- those are, are also slicing it a little bit thinner, but they're, they're variations on the same or a similar theme. I'm going to say the same, but th- there, there's some overlap. Yeah, and I'm hot for you is, is beautiful, it's fun, and it's more physical, and I adore you. I look at you and I adore you. You feel differently. Like right now, since I get to be in the studio with you, I can look at you and if you let me, you know, like, Armin, I adore you. It's a different quality than, <laughs> hi, you know, you <laughs> look at you even giggling. <laughs> so we just met. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seems a little soon for adore. But, yeah, but yeah. but I think that's what, what will brings, uh, bring out the fun in us and, and, and the, the lightness and, and the depth that, that we're all hungry for. Okay. Well, so we're going to get into that further. You're going to have to convince me just a little bit okay. more, but we have time. So we, we're going to loop this in, of course, to the title of the book about the Divorced Mom's Guide to Dating. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about is that a lot of women who go through a divorce yeah. don't feel, as you did, you only felt one of the three things. Yeah. They don't feel enough. There's something missing. Mm-hmm. And so what you're doing is you're taking us on a journey. You're taking them more, I guess, on a journey, but it's good for me as a divorced guy to understand this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what it is that they need to do to recapture these things or to ensure that they get it in their next relationship, right? Yeah. So most women that I know and have worked with, and I've been doing this for 20 years now, (laughs) they are very practical when it comes to love and dating again. Either they're very practical or unrealistic romantic. So uh, let me talk about the practical part. You know, most women tend to uh, look at dating as, oh my gosh, it's another thing for me to do. I need a man like I need a hole in my head. I have so many responsibilities and I have my kids and my bills and all that stuff. So it's not, they look at it like a chore, like hard work. And then when they have a man's attention, then, then they worry about, oh my gosh, I, I better work really hard to keep his attention or else he's going to be bored with me or he won't like me or, you know. So there's a lot of stress and a lot of insecurities that comes with with dating for women. Mm-hmm. And then, and at best they go for, you know, if I could just get him to love me and commit to me, then it's all good. But it's so much more than that. We, for divorced moms anyway, we already been there, done that. We, <laughs> we worked really hard on a marriage and, and we invested so much and yet it fell apart on us. So to go at it again from that perspective is a waste of time. I think you're missing out on something. So when, for me personally, 
when I was dating again, I wanted more than that. I want more than just a solid relationship with a man because I already had that, and yet it ran it ran into the ground. So, what does it take to bring in the adoration and the cherish? I don't know what the the noun for that is, the cherishment or whatever that noun is, um, to so that you can have a higher quality of mm-hmm. intimacy and love with each other. Okay. All right, so you break this down into what you call three Ps. Yeah. Tell, tell us about those. Yes. So every woman have three parts inside us. We have the peasant part of ourselves, which is the physical, everyday woman. She loves very practically. She works hard. She takes care of her children. She pays a bill. She, you know, uh, look in the mirror and thinks, oh, God, I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I'm not good enough. That's how she approaches love and dating from that place. There's the other two two P's inside us that are so much more powerful, and we're out of touch with them. So the second piece that you really get to know, need to know her, is your princess self. This is a part of you that really knows your birthright, your birthright to be loved, to be loved and adored. And when this requires you to reclaim your self-worth, your sense of knowing who you are. And for a man to know that a woman needs to find her princess self, that's a very powerful thing also. Because when a man knows that and is actively being a king in her life so that she can show up as a princess, it makes the relationship really fun and juicy. But when a man is also stuck in his peasant mode, you know, hard work, counting the dollars and blah, 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 it's now you have two peasants in relationship to each other. Mm. It's very okay. boring. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll come to the priestess part in just yep. a few minutes. But so about the peasant part. Yeah. So what is it that you need to get in touch with there? I mean, how do, how do you tell somebody, okay, this is what you need to focus on? The what peasant, does that look like? The peasant part of us is always so hungry, tired, exhausted, overwhelmed, and and is limited in her thinking. She's in fear mode all the time, most of the time, and she has to work so hard. So to be in touch with your peasant, you have to recognize that in yourself and have some compassion for her and know how to love her. We hear this all the time. you got to love yourself, but we don't know how to do that. Loving yourself is that place of loving this peasant woman who puts everything on the line for everyone else except mm-hmm. for herself. And how do you yourself listen to that part of you and give her some tenderness and some love and recognition? I'm just curious about this. And, and I know this comes up in, in so many areas of my life. I look at it and I hear people talking about the things that they need and things that they should get in life. How much of this falls on the woman herself that it's not just a question of accepting yourself for who you are? Maybe you need to make a few changes. Absolutely. When you start to listen to your own peasant's pain, that in itself makes a lot of change because the pain creates wounding inside and the wounding creates neediness outside. So why we're so needy for love and attention and craving for a man's attention is because we're hurt inside. So when we pay attention to ourselves, we fill ourselves up. And when we fill ourselves up, we don't we change our behavior. We don't have to be so needy when it comes to relationship. And when relationship is funny, when you don't need it, it'll show up. But when you need <laughs> it, it will just run away from you. Do we actually need relationships, you think? I think it's depend on, on the people. I know for myself, I was I got to a point where I was perfectly fine being a single mom with my daughter, but I was fine. I was content, but I wasn't happy. When I brought in my what I call ideal companion 
He's here in the studio with us, you know. Like when I brought him into my life, my life just went to the next level of joy and bliss that I never knew that I could have. And my finance gets better. Both our finance get better. It's it's like there's an energetic multiplication that happens where, well, when we come to, we're great by ourselves, we're solid by ourselves, but when we come together, there's a heightened level of love, joy, and, and abundance that we could have. Talking with Mae Vu, who's the author of The Divorced Mom's Guide to Dating, How to Be Loved, Adored, and Cherished. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep talking to Mae. want to get into a little bit more about the peasant, want to talk about the princess, and then, of course, the priestess part, which is, is where it all comes together. And then, of course, putting this all together into a, a dating program. I'm Armand Brott. You're listening to Positive Parenting. More with Mr. Dad, Armand Brott, after this. From the MrDad.com radio network. I'm four years old, and I'm the only one in my whole class that can tie his own shoes. My mom took me to the circus for my birthday. Half my friends already went, but now I've gone too. Most kids make fun of me because I still believe in the tooth fairy. But I got five bucks yesterday. I believe. A third of the kids in my 8th grade class drink alcohol regularly. Over 99% of my class has been offered illegal drugs. Half of my college classmates binge drink, abuse drugs, or do both. But the frequent dinners I had with my family have helped make sure I'm not one of them. Go to casafamilyday.org, take the Family Day Pledge, and get tips on how to talk to your kids about drugs and alcohol. Have dinner with them often, and you can significantly lower their risk of substance abuse. Dinner makes a difference. A message from the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University. All right, class. Let's hear what everyone did this weekend. Jill? Well, I raised my older sister to a big oak tree. It was at least a hundred years old. My mom said I must have set a record or something. And then we went down by a stream and perched up on this huge rock and saw all of these little minnows swimming around way below us. And then I rescued my little brother from an evil slug king who was guarding him at the bush fortress. And my sister and I brought him back to our super twig for for safety. And then we all laid out and told stories until it got dark. And the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? Yeah. We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Anyone want to come this weekend? (laughs) Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week and find the fun, adventurous you. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, talking with Mae Vu, who's the author of The Divorced Mom's Guide to Dating, How to Be Loved, Adored, and Cherished. Mae, so let's talk... uh, was there, was there more about the, the peasant that we, we need to talk about before moving on? Because it, I want to make sure that we're, we've got a good grip on that. Yeah, the peasant is a tricky one. Most of the work is in the peasant, actually, because we want to abandon her to move quickly to the princess or the priestess because that's much more fun and powerful. But actually, you need your peasant. Without her, dishes don't get done, children don't get raised, <laughs> nothing happens in, in the world, you know, business don't get built. So you need to love your peasant, heal her and bring her along and integrate her with your your princess and your priestess. Okay. And I see so your your uh, sweetheart Keith is, is nodding as <laughs> this, this sounds familiar or good. Okay. 
Um, so let's talk about the the princess, which I, I'm you know I'm guessing yeah. I read this a little bit, but I, I'm I'm guessing you know that that's more about the pampering yourself. Yeah, at the lightweight level, it is about pampering yourself, okay. but deep down inside, the princess part of us is very gracious. She's gracious and generous to ourselves and to others. So, so princess don't just live in. In spas, you know, <laughs> most people think, "Oh, I'm going out on a spa date and have my nails done." That's being a princess. That's lightweight to me. The okay. princess is really is how do you find grace and harmony and joy and generosity in any situation? How do you, you know, life can be really busy and all that stuff, and yet you can still find that grace and that trust that you are loved and you are cared for, and that you're whole and you're enough. And from that sense of knowing, you will turn everything around. So that's how a true princess work. And if you think about the old days, you know, princesses, even though they live in castles and all that stuff, that archetype, they were stuck in a very disempowered position. They don't have positional throne. You know, they're being pawned off between kings and kingdoms and all that stuff. And all, all a princess had was her beauty, her grace, and, and her sense of self. And, and she has to maneuver through very difficult political situations and keep her head, you know. So mm -hmm. so I think there's a, a, a part of that inside us that is very gentle and loving toward ourselves. and how do we treat ourselves with that kind of grace. Now, do you consider this to be a progression, that you have to do all of your peasant work before you can move on to the princess, or are, are you working on all these things and being aware of all these things at the same time and kind of working in different uh, different directions? Because it seems like it's really hard to just, you know, okay, I'm going to do this, and then that's it, and then we're going to go on to the next one. Yeah, I do take my clients to a progression of first we have to stop everything. Like if you're dating and hurting yourself, please stop dating, and let's, <laughs> let's tend to your peasant self. Let's listen to her. Let me teach you how to listen to her and how to tend to her needs first. And when you can start to love and accept yourself all of your ugly parts, what you consider uh, ugly, then, you know, it will open up naturally and your princess grace will come out. And then suddenly you'll notice, oh, now I'm ready for my power, which is your priestess part. The priestess is very powerful and you need her in all your part of your life, dating, work, or, and raising children. If you don't have your priestess part, you'll be walked all over the place. Okay, got to explain that. Yeah. So how, how does that work? Why, why would the, that involve more being walked on? Yeah, so the priestess part of ourself is the part of us that holds our power, our freedom, and our clarity. She has wisdom from like lifetimes ago, and she has vision of where life, humanity, and you should be. That's why you're here. Every one of us is on this planet for a purpose. It's not so that we can work hard, raise children, and pay the bills. We have a contribution. So your priestess part holds that. And when you're in touch with her, she will guide you on what to say yes to and to say no to and to move your life forward in a powerful way instead of in a way that most women find themselves in, in, in victim land, you know, walking on eggshells or being a doormat to other people. Okay. So, again, I want to get back to this taking personal responsibility yeah. part of this. You're, so you're looking at what's going on within but that also is going to involve assessing other people differently, right? I mean, because you, you may have, I mean, so many of us probably have, have looked back at relationships and said, boy, I keep doing the same thing yeah. over and over and over again. That's kind of where I am right now. It's safer for everybody if I don't <laughs> just <laughs> don't do the same thing again. But and you say, well, okay, so what is it about the people that I tend to be attracted to mm -hmm. that is not working and I want to avoid that. And so what part of you does that kind of thing play into? Yeah, that happens 
quite often from for most women. I mean, me included, actually. Like my ex husband was really kind and gentle and honest, but he was very flatline and didn't have much power to him. And then eight years later, you know, I met my my current boyfriend Keith, and and he was showing sign like. The same way, I'm like, oh my god! And I literally said to him, I can't date you anymore because you're starting to look and sound like my ex-husband. But I realized that, oh my gosh, it really doesn't matter who he is; it's how I am and how I cultivate that relationship with him. And so when I learn that and how I interact with him, then I see that I can, I have the power to cut him down to be another peasant like my ex-husband did, or I have a power to. Help him step into his king, so that he can be really powerful in my mm. life and love and support me, as I love and support him. And now that we know that, and we know these three P's at work, we actively and have a lot of fun playing with with the three P's, so that we can keep keep giving to each other. You know, there's this old stereotype that men get into a relationship hoping that the wife will. Stay, stay the same, the same <laughs> and she changes, and then women are getting and hoping that she'll you know she'll be able to change him. Yeah. It sounds like you're trying to change someone. Is that what you're doing? And, and then if if it is, are, are you do you feel that that's a safe thing to do? You can't change anyone. You can only change yourself. When I say cultivate, I mean cultivate myself. How I show up with my partner will will have the result whether he's going to become a pe- a dead peasant man who hand over all the decision to me or he's going to be a powerful king in my life that he's going to help me guide and and lead our life forward so it's not him it's me so i can be a really hardcore peasant woman that you know get mad or stomp or or guilt him and all that stuff or i could show up and find my grace and and generosity and find what I want and speak what I want in a gentle way that guides us forward. It's 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 me. How how can how do I find that princess and the priestess part of me to move us forward? Can you give us a little bit of a case study of yeah. somebody that you've worked with from from beginning to end, just to, you know, how how we can see a little bit how this develops? Yeah. Um, I, I won't use her name, um, but I was just at her house yesterday for dinner and she was sharing her experience about how when she first met me four year four months ago she almost she really literally wanted to kill her children wanted to kill her husband and wanted wow. to kill herself because she was so fed up angry and tired and she had said everything that she wanted way too many times and they're not listening to her and she was so angry and she's just like a volcano that exploded every moment uh, in in their family, and after four months, she's now looking. Her husband and her are now taking selfies with each other and posting on Facebook of like, "Hey, here's my hot man. Hey, here's my my lover boy." Like words that she never used before to describe her her husband. And they're they're on their way to mending their relationship and learning to to heal the pain that ripped my relationship apart and so many other relationships apart. How did she do that, though? Well, what, first, what sorts of changes did she make? First, we had to tend to her peasant. We have to. I had to show her how to really listen to her peasant and see 
how angry she really was and create a space that was safe for her to really voice all of her honesty. And when all of that came out, see, most of the time we judge how we feel about the relationship and we should ourselves to be better so that we can create something better. And all these woo-woo self-help stuff actually have done us a damage because we use it to suppress ourselves more rather than really make peace with ourselves. So I help her make peace with her anger and her upset and help her even voice it to him in a in a really raw way and know that it's okay. And then the two of them learn to to communicate again and to move forward. But it all starts with loving that peasant woman. And when you love her enough, she will soften up and she will allow the princess and the priestess to come out. Are you working with him as well? Not yet. I don't have to, actually. I just need to work with her. We Women are the inspiration for the relationship. We're not the one who holds all the responsibility, and we can't fix it if a guy is entrenched in his pain and he won't budge. But what I've seen is that most men, especially most husbands or men who are serious about dating and being in relationship, they want to. Talking with Mei Vu, who is the author of The Divorced Mom's Guide to Dating, How to Be Loved, Adored, and Cherished. Thanks very much for coming in. Thank you so much. At 4.15 p.m. at an office in Michigan, Angie Hicks is not at her desk. She's giving blood at the company blood drive. At the same time in the same office, Kevin Meehan is not at his desk. He's at the doctor. Kevin has cancer and needs another round of chemo. Kevin will need blood to fight his cancer. Angie's blood will help him win. When you give blood to the American Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-GIVE-LIFE or visit givelife.org to schedule your appointment to give blood. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey there, welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott. Just a couple weeks ago, we did a segment on distracted driving, got a lot of responses from listeners, and here's one of them. Dear Mr. Dad, a few weeks ago, you had an email from a 13-year-old whose mother talks on the phone while driving. You should have told the child to rat her mother out to the cops. The mother is endangering her own life, her daughter's life, and innocent bystanders' and drivers' lives. The 13-year-old should send a note to the cop saying that her mother constantly talks and texts while driving and give them her license plate, description of the car, and where she frequently drives. That mother needs a ticket. Well, as a rule, I think kids should talk to their parents before they rat them out. But since the girl already tried talking, you and a lot of other listeners and readers who wrote in with similar suggestions are absolutely right. The mother and anyone else who texts or talks on the phone while driving needs a wake-up call. Better an expensive ticket than a tragic car crash. I also heard from drivers and the children of those drivers wondering whether listening to the radio or audiobooks is a problem. The short answer is yes, but it's nowhere near as bad as texting or talking. Researchers at the AAA Foundation and Virginia Tech rate mental driving distractions on a scale ranging from 1, mild distraction, to 5, which is maximum distraction. University of Utah researchers David Strayer and Joel Cooper rate listening to the radio as a 1.2 and listening to a book on tape as 1.7. That's pretty low. 
Compare that to hands-free cell phone calls at 2.3 and handheld calls at 2.5. Sending a text on a perfect voice-activated error-free system, which is really not existing, is a 3, while updating social media while driving is a 4. And the extreme, reading a scientific text while driving, which not a lot of people are going to do, is a 5. Unfortunately, the fact that a lot of speech-to-text systems are built into cars these days gives people the impression that it's safe to text or go through emails while driving. It's not. In fact, the most distracting built-in hands-free systems were rated at a 4.6 and leave drivers distracted for as long as 27 seconds after they complete a task. At 25 miles an hour, that's a distance of three football fields of potentially missing stop signs and pedestrians. The best hands-free systems were better, a 2.4 rating, but still left drivers distracted for more than 15 seconds. Phone-based voice-activated systems weren't very much better. Google Now was the best with a distraction rating of 3.0, followed by Apple's Siri at 3.4 and Microsoft's Cortana at 3.8. So what can we, the adults, as well as the children, do to combat distracted driving? Well, here are a few important steps. Now, I'm going to give the names of a bunch of organizations and websites. You'll be able to find links to them and a lot more at a page we set up on our website, mrdad.com slash distracted-driving-resources. One of the first steps to take is to go to the National Safety Council's website and sign up for their Take Back Your Drive pledge. You can also install an anti-distracted driving app. Lifesaver is an excellent one, and it's got a parent portal and strong education components as well. Do more research. In addition to the National Safety Council and Distraction.gov, the AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety has great information and resources. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.